Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. created us for intimacy with himself, but we struggle in our movement towards that intimacy, longing for something more. This is The Soul Struggle with Janet Gosman, helping you identify the struggle, what brought you there, and how to move through it towards the intimacy with God our soul longs for. Welcome to The Soul Struggle. My name is Janet Gosman. I am a counselor and international speaker. I received my bachelor's degree from Multnomah Bible College and my master's degree from Western Seminary Seattle under the direction of Dr. Dan Allender. On our last broadcast, I listed the seven core spiritual struggles we will all move through in our walk toward intimacy with God. Today, we will begin with our first struggle. Do you know God loves you? In your gut. You will answer me, of course, I know God loves me. I know the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. But do you really know? Do you know it in your head? Or do you know it in your heart? Or as I stated, in your gut? There may be several issues that have plunged you into the struggle. First, you may be struggling with your own eternal destiny. You have no assurance of your salvation, and you've never really experienced God's love. There may be emotional struggles or insecurities. There may be fear, worry. Maybe you've hit a depression or anxiety. One or more of these have crowded out your peace. Maybe you slid back into sin and you think God has abandoned you. A second reason for this struggle might be that there is something in the way. What are you chasing for happiness? Have other things taken first place in your life? And knowing God's love has been shoved into second, third, or fourth place. Another reason for your struggle is that there may be a distorted belief system regarding your view of yourself, God, and how life works. But whatever brought you into the struggle, you're not sure in your gut that God really loves you. Without resolving this struggle in your life, you will be unable to trust God because we don't trust anyone who we're not sure really cares or loves us and is committed to our good. So this week and next week, we will be walking through these underlying issues as follows. Number one, are you sure of your eternal destiny? Have you experienced God's love? Number two, is something in the way? 
What are you chasing for happiness? And number three, we will look at your belief system. Are there distortions and how did they get there? So first today, I would like you to settle this most important issue, and that is the matter of your eternal destiny or your salvation. When we have tried all those self-help remedies, the self-help section of the library, the self-help gurus like Oprah or Dr. Phil, and they have not resolved my struggle inside, we may look for other options. We might try, like I've identified five. So let's walk through each one and see if any one of these can bring that assurance for our eternal destiny. I am going to quote the Bible for my answers to each of these possible options. You may probably ask, how do you know the Bible is God's word and that it is a truth? Let me answer that by saying, it is only valid for me to answer by the Bible if the Bible is the truth about life and eternity. So how do we know it's the truth? I went through this questioning myself because I had been raised in a Christian home and I grew up in church. I was saved at 12 and baptized at 15. But when I was in my late 20s, I began to question what I believed and why I believed it. Did I believe all this just because this is what I had grown up with? This was all I knew. This was all I had heard. So is it really true? I knew there were many books and religions that claimed to give the truth. How did I know which ones are true and which ones are not? And so I began my own research and ponderings. One of the strongest evidences for me were the prophecies. Jesus' birth alone fulfilled several hundred prophecies, all no less than 400 years before his birth. All the prophecies of the Bible have come true, apart from the end-time prophecies. So what about Jesus? He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. The other strongest evidence was the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There just is too much proof of his life, death, and resurrection. I cannot invalidate the resurrection of Jesus. It happened. Therefore, he truly proved he is the resurrection and the life. So I concluded only the Bible gives clear evidence of its validity as the word of God. No other book has this validation or credibility. I would be a fool to risk my eternal destiny by trusting anything else. Truly, the Bible is the word of God, and Jesus is the God-man and the resurrection and the life. Now, this was quite a brief answer to that question. If you have questions regarding the credibility or validity of the Bible, I would recommend the book Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. The author was an attorney who disbelieved Christianity, and he determined he would disprove the Bible as the Word of God and Jesus as the God-man. However, as he did his research in the process of disproving Christianity, he became a believer. This book is what his research revealed. You may not be convinced as I was. You may believe there are many choices. The world claims there are many roads to the same destiny. 
So I would like to look today at some of these roads. First, there is atheism. The claim of atheism is that there really is no God. Not only that, but the claim is there is no way to know there is a God. If that's true, then they believe they can live like they want because they don't have to worry about some God up there punishing them. They don't have to be accountable to some deity about how they live their life. What does the Bible say in regard to this issue of atheism? Psalm 19, 1-3 states, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, and night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. This voice is telling us that God is shouting to us day and night that he exists. And this is evidenced through his creation. Romans 1, 18-32 describes what happens when man suppresses the truth about the existence of God. Surely we are seeing this downward progression here in our own country as there has been an outright declaration by many in leadership and influential positions that there is no God. However, Romans 1.20 states, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that man is without excuse. Scripture states clearly that not only does God exist, but that he is telling us this truth every day and every night. Psalm 14, verse 1 clearly states, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. So what's my second choice? I call it, I'll do it my way. It'll all turn out in the end. This is the live and let live philosophy. I will live life on my terms. Besides, we all go to the grave and that's it. Who knows what the truth is about the afterlife? Why not just live my life for me and do whatever pleases me? So what does scripture say? Hebrews 9.27 states, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So... We don't just all go to the grave, and that's the end. We will all stand before God and give an account of our life. This is the judgment. There truly is one. So let's try number three. We can gain God's acceptance by being a good person, by doing good things. So we go to church, we give money to help the poor and the hungry. Give to charities, get involved in causes or organizations. Certainly, these are good things that will bring the acceptance of God that we are seeking. Truly, there must be a balance scale, and if I work hard, my good works will outweigh my bad. So the question really is, will doing good works bring me acceptance with God? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. 
according to the Bible, good works won't do it. You cannot do enough good works in a lifetime to match God's standard of perfection. Good works are all external. They do not deal with the hidden man of the heart, and it's my inside that needs fixed. This brings me to the fourth option. Let's find the right religion. One that suits me, that will bring me the acceptance with God and solve this problem within myself. There are so many choices here. So what are the proofs regarding these religions? Let's take a general look. Every creator of a religion made a claim about life after death, eternity. However, what gives them their validity and credibility? Did they make prophecies, and did those prophecies come true 100%? Is there any proof that what they claimed was true? Each leader died and was buried. They never returned from their eternal abode in order to tell us if their way was the truth. Let me repeat that. These creators of religions never returned from their eternal abode in order to tell us if their way really was the truth. There is no creator of religion who sacrificed his life for my sin and then resurrected from the dead to prove that he had told us the truth about life and eternity. Many look for acceptance before God by following a religious regime that somehow assures them of some type of eternal life, but these are still good works. They're trying to gain eternal reward by following a religious formula. Isaiah 64, 6 states that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now, this is not talking about the good works that we do for God following our salvation. This is talking about doing righteous acts and behaviors in order to gain my salvation or acceptance to God. Religion is all about doing in order to gain God's love and forgiveness, and this is not acceptable to God. Proverbs 14.12 states, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. In contrast to all the above choices, Jesus claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. John 14.6 Scripture states that there is only one way, there are not many roads leading to the same place. Scripture states, you see, that there really are only two roads. One is called my way, whether that is atheism, do it my way, good works, or religion. And this, according to the Bible, is the way of death. The other is God's way, and that is through Jesus Christ. This is the way of life. So there is one more option, and that's called the gospel. The word gospel means good news. There is the bad news, and there is the good news. But I must give you the bad news first, in order for the good news to be not only good, but wonderful and amazing. The bad news is, 
that we are alienated from God. He is holy. His holiness cannot have any relationship with sin. My badness. My something wrong inside that I cannot fix. Isaiah 53.6 says, We are like sheep and have gone our own way. According to Romans 3.23, We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. That is the something that's wrong inside of me and inside of you. Now, some of you might tell me that you really are a good person. You do good things. You're kind. You're nice. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen everything? Anything? Have you ever wanted something someone else had or owned? This is coveting. Have you ever hated someone in your heart? Jesus said you have murdered them in your heart. If any one of these is true then you have broken God's law, and you have no connection with God. We have all broken God's law, and according to Romans 6.23, we are condemned because the wages or the punishment for sin is death. We cannot reach God. No matter how much we do or how hard we try, we are in a desperate situation. We are doomed. Do you understand your helpless and hopeless condition? This is like a drowning man. He is helpless and hopeless. He is doomed unless someone from outside himself can throw him a lifeline. But there is good news, and it is wonderful news. In our desperate situation, God had mercy. He loved us, and he longed for relationship, intimacy with me, intimacy with you. So he himself provided the remedy for our situation, for our sin, for our helplessness and our hopelessness. There needed to be a perfect man, a God-man, to shed his blood in order to cover sin and make an atonement for sin. The only perfect blood available was God's blood. So Jesus chose to take on this dreadful, horrible, yet wonderful mission. He left heaven in all its wonder and glory where the angels worshipped him. And he chose to leave that wonderful place and become a human being living in this fallen world. God, born in a manger, Christmas. The God of creation living among his creation. So God came to earth in human flesh where he was hated. Where people refused to believe him where he was despised and rejected. Yet he was the perfect man. He lived the perfect life. He willingly shed his perfect blood and by doing so made the great sacrifice, his life for mine. He is the perfect blood of Jesus that covers my sin. 
Since a perfect life can be exchanged for an imperfect or sinful life, Jesus made that exchange. He exchanged his life for mine. He exchanged his perfect life for my messed up life, and he gives me new life. This self that I could not fix, he died to fix. This God-man died on the cross, and he shed his perfect blood and paid the price, the debt owing for my sin. He became sin for us. On the cross, he carried it all. The guilt, the shame, the woundedness, the brokenness, the secrets, the defective me, the damaged me. He took it all on his own body on that cross, and he died. Then he buried it. Then wonder of wonders, he resurrected from the grave, Easter, proving to us that what he had claimed was the truth about life and about death and about eternity was true. Jesus is the only remedy for sin. I will never understand why he would give his life for me. What amazing grace. I hope you never tire of that message. I trust it is amazing every time you ponder it because it is amazing every time I ponder it. I will never get over the wonder of it all. What a gift. Mercy and grace, something I don't deserve because I was going my own way. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a gift. I cannot earn it. Let me give an example or story. Let us suppose my father was a very wealthy man. One day he invites me into his office and tells me he has a gift for me. Then and there he writes out a check for $1 million. I say, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then I proceed to tell him how I am going to pay him back by working really hard and giving him $100 a month for the rest of my life to pay off this. You would look at me and say, You're crazy. Take the money. It was a gift. Yes, and my father would no doubt have been very offended. He may have laughed at me for even thinking I could in my whole lifetime ever pay him back. And he may have been a little angry because he had sacrificed his time and his energy to make this money in order to give it to me. So how do I get this gift? John 3.16, that most familiar verse states, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So put your name in there as I put mine in. For God so loved Janet that he gave his only begotten Son, that if Janet believes in him, Janet will not perish, but have eternal life. 
First John 1 John 1.9 states, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What that says is that God looks through the blood of Jesus to see me, and he sees me as righteous and holy. I've been born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10 states, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. When you repent, which means turning around, going another direction, confess your sin, ask his forgiveness, invite him into your life, you will receive his gift of eternal life. This is an amazing gift. No paybacks. But that's not all. I also receive his very spirit into my life. He now becomes present with me forever. He will walk with me every day of my life. Oh, how can this be? How can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Amazing love. How can it be that my God should die for me? There's a hymn by Charles Wesley. I'd like to quote the second verse. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? The answer to your eternal destiny and the assurance that you are saved and promised eternal life in heaven is in Jesus Christ. So do you believe in your heart that Jesus is God, that Jesus is perfect, and therefore he can take your sin upon himself? And by your acceptance of that payment for your debt, you can be free. You can experience God's peace and joy. This is wearing knowing God loves you begins. It begins in your gut. It begins with understanding your true condition as helpless and hopeless before a holy God. But God is reaching down to you and offering you his grace and his mercy. If you are listening to me and you have never repented, confessed your sin, and received Jesus into your life, please do it today. He is pursuing you, and he longs for you to begin this journey called life. This is the initial struggle. It's the struggle for the salvation of your soul. I'm trusting that you will confess, seek his forgiveness, and open your heart to Jesus. You will find your peace in him because he is peace. Next week, we will look at the remaining two issues that are keeping you from knowing God loves you in your gut. We will look at your beliefs about yourself, God, and life, and where did these beliefs originate? We will also take a look at what may be in first place. What are you seeking for your happiness? 
And so I would ask you to join me next week on The Soul Struggle. Thank you for listening to The Soul Struggle with Janet Gosman. Janet is an international speaker and biblical counselor in the Portland metro area, specializing in depression, anxiety, and abuse issues. To contact Janet, call 503-658-6639. That's 503-658-6639. Visit her website for more information and resources at soulstruggle.com. Soulstruggle.com. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.